Aslani Parker Pierce. Let's talk about our past and determine our future. In past episodes of DOF, I've touched on how to talk to kids about LGBTQ plus issues, and I think those strategies can help adults too. But I also think that more needs to be said and taught in companies and in public groups and organizations about how to be an LGBTQ plus ally and support that community. It is not a choice for anyone to be anywhere along the identity spectrum, but it is a choice for those of us who identify as cisgender and heterosexual to be an ally and to support the LGBTQ plus community. I am proud to have made that choice. And I also know that there is always more work I can do to understand more and help more. Becoming an LGBTQ plus ally, it's a big and important job. Let's get started. In episode 11, Life Lessons I Want to Teach My Kids, I talked about how to be an ally to this community. First of all, it's important that we have some knowledge ourselves and have looked at our own biases. Think about if you still say things like, that's so gay, and remember that it's meant to be an insult. A good start is teaching your kids to accept and love people even if their background is different from theirs. Invite your kids questions. And if you don't know the answer to a question, be honest and invite your kids to find out with you. This conversation should not be combined with any discussions about sex. John Carroll, a licensed marriage and family therapist in New York City, says about this, quote, Starting conversations with our children regarding current LGBTQ plus issues early on fosters a mindset of tolerance and inclusiveness throughout the child's development, end quote. Having a strong foundation for our children's understanding is giving ourselves as parents the best chance for success. Participating in local pride events and other LGBTQ plus events is a great way to show your kids that we are allies to the community. We can also encourage our kids to join these organizations at their school. There are so many more resources out there. My favorite is a website series called Queer Kid Stuff with creator and host Lindsay Amer. This series is highly recommended and is meant for kids under 10 years old. In that previous episode, we also talked about how to teach kids about gender rights, which is tied closely to this topic. Remember that gender norms are everywhere, and I mean everywhere. Children are learning about gender from the moment they are born. Experts have also shown that a non-gendered character in a children's book is almost always referred to as male by default. The best thing to do, experts say, is to buy lots of books about strong female characters, female historical figures, and stories that show girls and women breaking those gender norms. This can extend to cartoons and children's shows, and even school projects. Our public education system is still heavily weighted toward learning about important men in history. And we can help to balance that by teaching our kids about important women in history. Most kids begin to identify with a gender at age three. This includes transgender children who have a sense of their gender identity even at that age. 
According to the HBR IdeaCast podcast from September 2020, Cultivate a Trans-Inclusive Workplace, nearly half of trans- transgender employees in the U.S. workforce experience discriminatory behavior on a daily basis. This, even though 9 out of 10 Fortune 500 companies have included gender identity as part of their non-discrimination policies. Katina Sawyer, an assistant professor of management at George Washington University, was interviewed for that podcast and talked about how companies can create and maintain a trans-inclusive workplace. Sawyer talked about how many behaviors are ingrained in our society and in our minds, like buying specific color clothes for newborn babies based on gender, or by avoiding conversation about topics we are uncomfortable about, like gender stereotypes or transgender workers. Sawyer also found that transgender people face a lot of discrimination in the workplace, from not being hired or being fired for being transgender, to having coworkers use the incorrect pronoun when speaking to or about a transgender person. Policy changes that can make a difference include allowing employees to use the gendered bathroom that they feel more comfortable using, creating a more gender-neutral office dress code, and encouraging the use of preferred pronouns in email signatures and as common introductions used by meeting leaders. For example, my workplace encourages the use of preferred pronouns in email signatures. So next to my name at the bottom of all my emails is she, her, hers. At the beginning of any meeting that I am presenting, I include in my introduction, and my pronouns are she, her, hers. By doing this and other things, we can all create a more inclusive space at work and make people feel more comfortable. Katina Sawyer emphasized that policy changes at a company needs to be combined with culture shifts that are actively encouraged and pushed by upper management in order for real change to occur. The Bostock versus Clayton County Supreme Court ruling in June of 2020 expanded protections in the Civil Rights Act of 1964 to now protect employees against discrimination because of their sexual orientation or gender identity. Even so, policy change can't create the type of change that individuals can create, like including someone who is transgender in conversations, work meeting discussions, and social events that occur at work. It takes a brave person to introduce themselves to a stranger even in the best of circumstances. In situations like those Sawyer describes, it is so important to pull people in the LGBTQ community into the work circle and make them feel welcome. What is performative allyship? It's a term that can expose a big problem with companies and organizations that are trying to strike the right tone with their hiring and marketing materials, but may not know how or want to actually do the work to create inclusivity and diversity in their workforce. It refers to actions taken by individuals or groups that are meant to project the image of positive social justice or positive change, but these actions don't actually accomplish much. It has also been called performative activism. Performative allyship is used as a criticism for events like the June 2020 Black Tuesday movement, in which Facebook and Instagram users replaced their profile pictures with blacked-out square images to show solidarity to the Black Lives Matter movement. It is also used when public figures with a history of speaking against an issue suddenly make statements or take actions that seem to support that same issue without any explanation for the about face. 
People in marginalized groups who become upset about acts that seem to be performative often state that this type of allyship is the following, usually fleeting or not long-lasting, satisfying the non-marginalized person's conscience and allowing that person to move on, but doesn't actually promote social policy or cultural change. In a Fortune magazine article from June 2020, Black employees in many different industries told Fortune that they have identified performative allyship in their workplaces. These companies speak out in support of racial equality in promotional materials that use all the right words, but don't take the actions that match those words. For example, these same companies have low percentages of Black executives and do not deal seriously with discrimination claims. It can be difficult to take more actions to support the LGBTQ plus community or other marginalized groups than posting on social media in support of those groups. But every time we say nothing, when a family member or friend speaks negatively about LGBTQ plus people, every time we stay silent in a work meeting, when a coworker is referred to with what everyone knows is their incorrect pronouns, Every time we don't call our company to task for talking about diversity without taking action to make the same changes to its culture, we don't have the right to call ourselves an ally. A major way that we can help our company's culture change for the better is to start or join the company's ERG, Employee Resource Group. These groups can distribute information hold events that allow for public work displays of real allyship and connection, and even promote policy changes that can help protect LGBTQ plus individuals in the workplace with information and recommendations for more effective actions to increase diversity and protect employees. Allies in the workplace should also hold senior management accountable for creating and encouraging positive changes within the organization and push for more change. The most influential people in the company are its highest leaders. Having a VP appear at an LGBTQ plus work event means more than those people usually know. Being an ally can be painful sometimes, but it's not nearly as painful for those of us who don't face this discrimination and aggression on a daily basis than those that do. We need to fight for those who are tired of fighting and should never have had to in the first place. See my show notes for all of the research I used in the making of this episode. Music credits are as follows. Gravitational waves, departures, sea change, and recreation are all by Airtone. Aether Theories is by Vidian. See the full credits in the show notes. Time for cross-promotions. Please visit Nikki Chun's site, kaolanakahale.org, to find lectures from Kumu or teachers about Hawaiian culture, current events, music, hula, and many other topics. Please come visit my Facebook page. To find it, search Lonnie Parker Pierce. Also, my Twitter handle is at L Parker Pierce. Then check out the Facebook group, Listen and Change. This group originated in the Twin Cities in Minnesota. It's a place to grow and provide forward momentum towards social and racial justice. 
The admins ask members to be kind and choose integrity. And I feel that it's a safe space to talk about these issues. Please check out Determine Our Future and Listen and Change Facebook pages and the Determine Our Future Twitter handle. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Determine Our Future. It's similar to episode five, racism and anti-racism. Go have a listen to that right after this. New episodes drop each week on Mondays, so please subscribe to hear more. Other ways to help me reach more listeners is to leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts or recommend this podcast to someone else or join the Determine Our Future Facebook group and share the group on your Facebook page. If you want to get access to episodes before they even drop on the podcast apps, access to resource pages for each episode and more, please go to determineourfuture.com and subscribe to emails. I send out emails once a week and I'll talk about current and past episodes and provide those resource pages. Also, I'll tell you how to access DOF episodes days before they officially drop. I look forward to hearing from you. Parker Pierce. Let's talk about our past and determine our future. Even though the Tea Party poured 45 tons of tea, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Determine Our Future. It's similar to access to research pages. fosters a mindset of tolerance and inclusion okay creating a more gentle gen- the thanks for listening to determine our future see my transcript for all of the research i used in the making of this episode music credits are as follows Gravitational Waves, Departures, Sea Change, Recreation, Urban Blues, Black Snow, Forgotten Land, and Nightwalk are all by Airtone. Aether Theories is by Vidian. And Isolation Swing is by Admiral Bob. See the full credits in the transcripts of each episode. Make sure to follow the podcast on your app, so new eps are always available to you whenever you are ready to listen. Talk to you again next week.